This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to Bingeworthy, a television podcast that cuts through the noise to talk about what bingeworthy series we watch, how we watch them, so you can know exactly what is worth your time, hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo, and editor-in-chief of the playlist, Rodrigo Perez. But before we jump into our discussion, and we do have an interview for today as well, I've got to tell you that Bingeworthy is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, Deep Focus, Yellowstoners, The Fourth Wall, Discourse, and more. We can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and most places where podcasts are found. Follow us on iTunes and you'll get this podcast as well as our other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or a rating as we greatly appreciate it. Uh, let's talk about one of my favorite shows of the past few years, which is Pam and Tommy, uh, the Hulu miniseries developed by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg that chronicles the marriage of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, played by Lily James and Sebastian Stan. Um, it takes place in the 90s when their infamous sex tape uh, that was released without their consent by a, uh, basically a frustrated and recently fired contractor who's played by Seth Rogen. I mean, I just I really love the show. I've only seen half of it. I know you've seen the whole thing. It's so well written and well acted and it goes out of its way to have you kind of empathize with every possible character, no matter how despicable they are. And it really shows you a new side of Pamela's take on all this, like. A lot of things that people did not consider in the 90s was how scarring this must have been for her. And it really reframes that. Plus, you know, it's well paced. It's super entertaining and hilarious and horrifying. And then it features a talking penis voiced by Jason Manzukas. So if you're not sold after that, then we have very different tastes. <laughs> um, so uh, like I said, I, you've seen the whole thing. Can you kind of talk about you know, the first five, what you thought of that, and then how does it hold up across the second half of the season for people to expect before we get to uh, Lake Bell, who's going to join us and talk about the episodes that she directed. The whole thing's great, but as you probably noticed, um, around the third or the fourth episode, it starts to take a, a darker turn. Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's it's pretty damn interesting, this whole story. I mean, Pam and Tommy, everybody knows the sex tape. But then there's the story behind it, like how it got out, how it was made, the fallout, the aftermath, all of that stuff. The, the beginning of it, the first three episodes is very much a kind of blast to the past of the 90s. This, yeah. uh, you, know, you get to spend time with Motley Crue and Pamela Anderson and that milieu of like 1994, 90, 90, probably 95, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you got the, you got Tommy Lee, who's played by Sebastian Stan, and you've got Pamela Anderson, who's played by uh, Lily James, and they're not quite together yet, but they meet and they're sort of their worlds collide and they have this whirlwind romance. And all of that is like, this is what probably what you might expect in terms of like <laughs> 90s throwback, sex, drugs, rock and roll, entertaining, fun, you know. I don't know if they do show cocaine, but it feels like, you know, cocaine <laughs> it's, in the show. It's visual like. cocaine, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just really entertaining, sparkling, funny, all that. But it's not just that because they look at, as you were saying, with like, you know, they humanize um, these people and they humanize Pamela Anderson, really. I mean, 
I think eventually it becomes her show and it takes on a more serious tone and it sort of shows the damage and the horror of what happened to this woman. Um, and that's with and, Lake Bell's first episode that she directs. That's, that's the right. one that she kind of jumps into Pam's perspective. Correct. She, she's the one who guides the series into that direction. She's the one who takes it and, and shows you know, the audience. She, she's the one who takes us into, into that experience of like, okay, this is all fun and games. And it's really funny that you know, Seth Rogen is this guy who stole this sex tape and you know, sex tape, it's funny and glitzy and all that. But it's like, you got to remember there's human beings here and these people's and people's lives and people's lives have been hurt and ultimately kind of destroyed. And so it doesn't forget that. And at the same time, it doesn't lose its sense of humor and its sense of entertainment. It really, um, as, as the it goes on and especially towards, you know, the last few episodes, it does this amazing job of threading the needle of this humanity for her and all this stuff about privacy and agency and surveillance and the way women are treated and especially the, the horrible way women were treated back then, sexual double standards. There's a lot of like stuff going on on that show that's incredibly relevant today. And a lot of stuff that will make you go like, Jesus fucking Christ, I can't believe like this happened to her. Or I can't believe the, legally that the judge sided with this or with that. And, and it's the way that like, it seemed like she had absolutely no fucking rights. Yeah. Like what they did to her was a fucking travesty. There's a lot of thoughtfulness there, which someone like Lake really brings to it. She talks about all of this stuff at length. We got into what I think was a, a really great conversation about all this stuff, the sort of the emotional and psychological texture of everything going on. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. sure we talk about all the fun stuff too. The, you know, Tommy Lee, who's Sebastian Stan is just really going for it, having a great time. There's a lot of entertaining, funny stuff, but yeah. I think it's kind of like a star making performance for Lily James though. Like it, it's, it's yeah. outstanding. Yeah, she's really terrific. Everybody's really terrific. There's a lot of great directors on the show. It is um, put together by... Craig Gillespie? Yes. A lot of great directors, including Craig, uh, Craig Gillespie, um, on, on top of with Lake Bell, and, and you know people like Hannah Fidel directs an episode. Um, there's a lot of the great people. And, and the creator, the, you know, the, the person who, who wrote it is Robert Siegel, who wrote The Wrestler, um, that yep. was directed by Darren Aronofsky. He also wrote a, a movie called Big Fan that he actually also directed. Yep, with um, Patton Oswalt. Yeah, with Patton Oswalt, which is, is, is pretty good. And um, The Founder with uh, yeah. Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's basically based off this whole Rolling Stone article. And it's funny is that like when I was watching the show, I was like, okay, a lot of this stuff probably didn't happen. They made, they, they made up certain things, you know, just for television because they have to, to, to dramatize things. But you go back and you read that Rolling Stone article and you're like, oh, wow. So like this yeah. is like very, very, uh, very super close to what actually really happened. I think if, that they if they invented anything, it, it feels like, well, it's actually not true because a lot of that stuff is real. But it feels like they had more to work with or less to work with, actually, to invent with, with Seth Rogen's character. Seth Rogen mm. plays Rand uh, Gauthier. And he's the he's the guy who steals the sex tape and he steals it in what he feels like is an act of karma. Karma is a really interesting uh, theme throughout the show because he's fucked over by T Tommy Lee, which is actually what happened. Imagine you do a job for someone and you're a, a contractor and you're a carpenter or whatever this guy is. And, and just imagine in your own life that you do something where you, you, you do a job and you're owed like $25,000 to someone. And that person eventually says, no, nah, fuck you. I don't want to pay you. Like, and by the way, I'm keeping your tools. 
yeah, I'm keeping your tools. I mean, could you just fucking imagine? Um, and and because it's the '90s, and this guy has no recourse, he doesn't have money for lawyers and stuff like that. He just feels like he's got to eat this money. But it's it's like it, the whole interesting thing about the sex tape is that that people don't know because nobody really knows unless you read that article. I suppose it's like it all just the whole thing could wouldn't have happened if Tommy Lee had just paid this fucking guy. But he basically wrote them off, told him to go fuck himself, and then when he innocently came back to get his tools. Tommy Lee shot, shoved a, a shotgun in his face and said, get the fuck out of here. It really messed with the guy's head. And he decided to, well, I got to get some sort of karmic payback. So I'm going to steal something from Tommy Lee. He happens to steal the, the safe that is in Tommy Lee's house that he's seen because he's been all over Tommy Lee's house building stuff for months. He doesn't steal the safe to steal the sex tape. He's just trying to whatever's yeah, he's in there. trying to get some payment of, so, yeah. of any sort. Yeah, it's not even like it, it's almost just like karmic payback. It's like, I'll just take whatever's in this fucking safe and that's for me. And that's that's my sale of goods kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he finds all this random shit in there. But then, of course, he finds the sex tape. And because he worked in pornography and his ex-wife is still in it and he knows has a lot of ties to that world, it kind of goes from there. Um, yeah. But it's all interestingly built off of just this one sort of horrible act of selfishness and shittiness that goes wrong. We talked about that too, but it's just, a, there's a lot of depth to this show. It's not just, you know, could have been easily the, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there's wild, funny stuff. Sebastian Stan talking to his cock. And, <laughs> and you know. it, that is one of the things that is true, by the way, <laughs> it is uh, in Tommy right. Lee's book that he did this drug induced conversation with his penis on the night that that he right. met uh, Pamela Anderson. So it's just ridiculous. Right. All these projects that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are producing, they have this kind of element of balancing character and humanity with yes. this kind of poppy, super entertaining vibe, like the boys or uh, you know, you I, know I, preacher yeah. or whatever it is. Right, right. They've got <laughs> a great, great mix of that stuff. You know, I would even, I would even say that American Pickle. Did you see yes. that? that yes. Was the same thing. It's a very silly movie about fucking Eastern European Jewish immigrant who wakes up forty years later or whatever, sixty years later because he's been preserved. But it's like you know, it's a absurd story, but there's a real humanity to it, right? And they sort of manage to do this in in the in the craziest ways where they find these very entertaining, very funny stories. But there's real depth to them. Um, and they, you know, even though they, you know, Robert Siegel, you know, wrote this and, and they're just producers, but like, it's kind of the perfect mix of everybody involved. The talent here is great. Seth Rogen and, and Evan as, as, the, as the producers overseeing this stuff, you got Robert Siegel, who's really funny and really sharp. You got all these amazing directors on the show, Craig Gillespie, Lake Bell. Lake Bell directs another excellent episode. And I think it's episode seven, and we talk a little bit about that. I wouldn't worry. There's not too many spoilers in it. But yeah, I mean, and, and there's some heartbreaking stuff in that. And, and just the way the show is able to swing back from heartbreaking and funny and dark and fucked up and watching the humanity of, of many of these characters erode, um, particularly Seth Rogen's character. It's just really interesting. It's good stuff. I would call this pretty top shelf television. And, yeah. You know, and a part of television is involved. Megan Ellison is a, is a producer. There's a lot of good stuff here. I'm not sure if this is Emmy bound, but it's, it might be too early for the conversation. You know, it, it released too early. I mean, 
we'll but see. I would we'll love see. to see it but nominated. Some, I would love it. Yes, I would. I would really love to see it too, and I would love to see its its directors get nominated. Lake in particular does some really really terrific stuff. Her her episode starts off like an episode of something directed by Martin Scorsese. It's got like <laughs> very vibrant. It's very alive. The soundtracks are really kicking. You know, the the camera's moving. She's really having a blast and going at it. But then, you know, there's a lot of the soulful stuff that's also in the show too. So I always super, super appreciate stuff that, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, the style, the splash, the stuff that can be kind of easy to do. It's like, but what, where's the substance? And the show definitely has both for sure. Absolutely. Um, and, 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 and so that's what I really appreciate. We get into all of that stuff. We talk about even a little bit about the fact that she voiced Black Widow on um, Nice. And yeah. I asked her if she was coming back and she said, uh, I said, are you going to, I said, you know, anything's possible. You know, these characters are coming to the big screen now. They're coming in live action. Are you coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And she paused and she went, uh, no comment. And I was like, <laughs> okay, cool, cool. All right. So, and she also talked about, she's developing a few more features. Um, she's written, sounds like a whole bunch of them. And she is hoping to direct a few of them. Um, they sound in her wheelhouse of like indie comedies but again that also have some soul some spirit they're not just silly comedies um they have depth to them yeah so that's really cool and i really hope that stuff happens so she's always showed a lot of promise i mean even with her debut in a world was a really fantastic entertaining like different way to come at you know that kind of movie just looking at it from the voice world you don't even need to get me like i I fucking love that movie that made me like a kind of a lake bell super fan and love i love in a world i think it's such a funny sharp insightful hilarious heartbreaking perfect perfect little indie comedy such a great directorial debut she's also been a showrunner co-creator she helped do that that show on nbc Bless this mess. Yes, the the and the AB it was it ABC or NBC show that she did. Bless this mess. With ABC, yeah. ABC, yes, and she did that with uh, Elizabeth Merriweather, which is who who was on uh, New Girl, and yep. she's a, she's a, a very well known screenwriter now, kind of graduated to showrunner and TV person. But she did that with D- Dax Shepard. Uh, she also talks a lot about if you're into that Harley Quinn. She <laughs> loves doing that nice. Harley Quinn voice on DC, um, and she's we kind of joked about she gets to do the best best of both worlds because she gets to do the DC Harley Quinn, and now she's Black Widow on Disney. Well, she's Poison Ivy, <clears throat> and Ivy and and Barbara Gordon on that. Sorry, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. He's Poison mm-hmm. Ivy on, on the Harley Quinn show. Right. Yes. So, thank you for that correction. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't watch that one. And if they're listening, it's because there's it's very R-rated. And I watch animated <laughs> shows with my children. Animated shows are, are an opportunity to watch stuff with my children. And Absolutely. so that one is definitely not. <laughs> it's very filthy. And, and she talked about enjoying a lot of that stuff too. So I think this is a really good conversation. I, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I hope you guys watch uh, Pam and Tommy because it's very good. And yeah, enjoy this conversation with Lake Bell. She's really awesome. She's super cool. Cool. Let's shoot it over to Lake Bell. Again, Hulu's Pam and Tommy, which is currently uh, airing new episodes on Wednesdays through March, uh, is very much worth your time. Go check it out and listen to Lake Bell. Uh, Hi, Lake. How you doing? Hey, how are you? Good. 
So let's talk about uh, this this terrific show, uh, Pam and Tommy, that you're directing, um, that you directed two episodes of. One aired last night, uh, Master Beta, I believe it's called, and another one coming up uh, March 8th, I believe. And I think it's The Destroyer of Worlds. I've seen them both. I've seen the whole thing. Uh, it's really terrific. Tell me about, you know, we can dive into specifics of the show, but tell me about getting involved and did you get to pick your episode? Because yours is such that this fourth one, especially, is a real, real pivotal tonal shift from what's going on beforehand. Um, I'll answer your first question, which is, um, you know, I knew uh, DB didn't send us for a really long time, as well as just, you know, not in a work sense, but just as a friend. And then um, Craig Gillespie and I worked together. Um, he directed the first three episodes and and he... Um, you know, I, I was an actor for him in Million Dollar Arm. And so we had a rapport. And then Lily James and I actually had a project together uh, years ago that fell through. And so we had constantly had this feeling of wanting to work together. So that, um, in addition to Sue Nagel being in supportive of my hiring, um, you know, and, and hearing about this project, I, it piqued my interest because, um, you know, I, re I remember when it was when this subject of Pam and Tommy and their stolen property in that VHS was folded into pretty much every, every level of pop culture at the time, even though I was really young and probably not ingesting that I did not see it. It was still such a part of the conversation. And um, the thing that struck me was as a kid hearing about it, you know, it felt like it was, it was like a punchline, you know, the, the, the tape was considered something kind of frivolous and, you know, with uh, mounds and mounds of perspective and decades later, um, being a mother, being, um, having been a wife, having also intimately experiencing property stolen in the form of image and then distributed um, criminally against my will to the world, um, I think that I had a, a, a vastly different perspective in looking at the story. And I was very motivated upon reading it because I could see that it was not at the expense of the story, but actually to help humanize the people involved and particularly Pam and providing and sort of like very actively, uh, giving her giving her character and her as a woman voice but then also just leaning in heavily that it is a crime story you know it's a story about stolen property and in a time <clears throat> where the internet was not prevalent it wasn't in every household and so this video this tape became really kind of like a catalyst and and a, an anomaly and set off a string of overt and beastly attack on 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 the female image form and like um exploitation of women you know it's like we already were steeped in that but it, i think that this video this vhs was so laced into the the wrath that was about to unleash us you know um on on society and culture at large um in the form of the world wide web yeah, it's this insane tsunami, right? In in terms of its time, and 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 as you, as you were saying, pornography and all, and exploitation was such a thing, and then it exploded in this ghoulish way. 
did you did you get to choose your episode? Because oh, I mean, that was your second question. Yeah, yeah um, because this one is so like yeah, it's like everything yeah. we're talking about. It's like start, so it's the good time. You know, we have the Motley Crew kind of stuff and all the good fun times, but then shit starts well, to get really real. I, you know, I think that I will say that the EP is sort of expertly sort of knew that a woman's voice was necessary for for this episode and the rest because it is a real turning point in series um, in this eight episode story and in this chapter in the middle is when your focus reshapes to consider Pam as the protagonist and the the real the victim of uh, a heinous and grossly um, a gross breach of privacy. Right, which is obviously still like super topical today. I feel like yeah. it's, it's interesting how it's, it's bringing back all this stuff and this ethical approach to uh, ideas of, of consent and everything. And it's like yeah. very super timely. Tell me about like the, the threading, which this episode does and the whole series does. Obviously, it's it's like we said, a little bit more of the good times in the first three episodes. But this the show still continues this great like threading the needle of like comedy and drama where it's like, you know, we're talking about all these things that happened to Pam and, you know, the sexual double standards and all this stuff. But it still manages to somehow return to light parts and then gets dark again and back and forth. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, tonally, I, it's, it it definitely is, I felt a lot of, um, I felt quite empowered to be utilizing a different visual lexicon, but maintaining this sense of human and comedic and, um, you know, empathetic um, POV when, when, when portraying characters. So it's like, there's this kind of wildly entertaining tone that allows for you to go on the ride of the narrative without the heavy hand of messaging. So you, which is always what I find that the the greatest power of good storytelling is the ability to entertain whilst prodding conversation and cultural discussion, right? And so for that reason, that levity, as you said, and that those comedic beats, those provide respite so that you can ingest the rest of the the actual more poignant or profound uh, call out to to society at large, as it were, you know. You were, you're sort of dancing and hinting around there a little bit of, you know, your visual aesthetic and this episode is, is, is very dynamic. It's uh, the way it, it begins. It's sort of a punch to the, like, you know, you got these tracking shots, you got these split screens, you got this great Chicago song, you got yeah. it's very, very vibrant. It comes alive in a way like, which is very different from the, from the rest of the show, but at the same time feels in character because we are, are transitioning from the party good times of yeah. you know, Tommy Lee and all this insanity to something darker, but tell me about that I mean that's some of that stuff yeah, is I mean, really fun know, to usually, direct, probably. yeah the movies that I my features that I make I usually live in kind of studio mode and I enjoy you know wide composition and kind of existing there and staying right. um on sticks and being more traditional and just like you know allowing for that kind of more minimal movement right. um and to be more painterly and presentational you know um but this I think because Craig established a sort of kinetic 
and emotional movement of camera, I then could take, uh, and that's why I felt like it's, 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 it's at least something in me because it's like, here are the tools that we're working with on this project, you know, go at it, you know? And so, you know, you can, you can, you springboard from that place. Right. And so part of the joy of this job is that you get to kind of live in different genres and different tones. And in this, this is my first time doing a, um, a period piece, you know, paying attention to that kind of detail and, and then, you know, enjoying the living shit out of uh, needle drops, you know, and, 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 and having the, the budget to support that, you know, like, you know, on indie movies, you don't have that. So I do think I really, I really felt um, pretty alive and invigorated in, in just being in steady and allowing for the choreography and the um, the dance of what the camera can do to live in the space with the characters as I like for my actors to do anyway. So it allows for the camera to also emulate that kind of organic flow. And so what that did was offer, you know, so much um, choreography, but then in the, in the kind of um, ethos of that episode where they really feel paranoid, they're on display and they are like specimens in this big inspection of their inner workings and their private life, right? So it feels like they're in the fishbowl. And so even in the library, it's like I hired, I got a Zoom. I was like, oh no, are we doing Zoom? I like Zoom. Um, you know, it's like, I just wanted to like use the architecture to kind of enforce that thematic and then also just be imposing on them so that they feel truly out of place. And before they were so high status in the way that we looked at them in, in the camera, you know, they just, everything about them was like, they were leading us. And then suddenly, you know, they're, they're being, they, they have to follow the flow because they're, they're not in control. It's about control. Tell me, because you're in this, you're in this unique position where you're uh, not just a director, you're an actor, you're female, which, you know, Craig isn't, and, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and you can relate to some of these situations and then you're, you're directing actors and, and you're an actor. That's got to be the, you're, it's a very unique position. Tell me about working with like, you know, those two and just, I, I just feel like, yeah, no wonder that you're such a great director because you've got all this stuff going on. Well, and, and also, I love the indie movies, by the way. I, I think that, um, you know, I speak actor. I know a lot of actors now are, you know, finding their voice as directors and it's beautiful. I mean, I've been, you know, since In the World, which was like 2013, I've been working with actors, you know, I've been directing actors and, and I found great um, camaraderie and power and expression in being able to, go into set up the scene in the visual architecture that I want to create and the composition and all, all the other fun, delightful details that it is to make a, a moving picture, but then dialing in and, and relating on a human level, not only just through the characters, but then as the job description is, because I've really been there in the most up, down and sideways. And so I think that I can allow for, and I hope always with my, I love actors, you know, it's like, I, I, um, 
I think of it as speaking another language because there are certain things that I can just read. It's all emotional intelligence, right? It's like reading the room and then reading the person, knowing what they want to hear, whether it's like, we can be here all fucking day and you don't have to rush through this at all. And even if you fuck up, go back and do it again. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I'm not going to care. Or if it's somebody who's like, I want to be loose. I want to do one take real loosey goosey and then find the words. You know, it's like, there's all these things where I'm always mining for the most organic and natural step on top of each other and words and blah, blah, you know, cause that's what we like. <laughs> um, and so I just treat people, it's the classic playground uh, adage, you know, treat people how you would want to be treated. And so that is, I treat, I treat my actors the way that I want to be treated as an actor. This episode also has a, a real sense of catharsis and humiliation. There's hum- humiliation sort of in the middle and then by the end, when she smashes the, the, the window, we get to some- That's the Yeah. Tell me about just that because uh, it just feels like- Yeah, I mean, look, it was, you know, we're shooting in pandemic. So the not only is this an extraordinary story, but also just, you know, the whole world was going through a lot and it was a lonely time and it still is a bit, but we're getting out a little bit, hopefully. But- the idea was, you know, you're in, everyone's a bit heightened in their anxiety, just off the truck, you know? (laughs) So, you, you know, I think you're lacking that physical and like emotional connection of seeing someone's face and being able to read their, the, the nuance of their gesture or, or um, expression. And so it was 110 degrees this summer and we were outside and because of COVID, it kept getting pushed, 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 pushed to do this scene. And, you know, there was always shutdowns and all this shit. And then there, and then it was like, you know, of course it's like the wrong time of day when we do it and it's, there's rush hour. So you can't look that way because they're not period cars and, you know, and all this, you know, and so we had two takes because you only have two, you know, windshields. And so, you know, we ended up doing it in like, I don't know, one or two takes. Like, it was just like, you know, we were all so fucking frustrated and the heat was just, just unwieldy. And finally, you know, you know, and Lily and Sebastian are tremendous. They're just like, they're just in, you know, their method. They're like in their body characters. Their whole body and souls are, are living in, in these people's reality. So they're there emotionally and physically. So when we're shooting, you know, the catharsis, I mean, I, I ended up crying. I was like crying, Lily's crying. We're all crying. I mean, like, it just felt like, you know, when you're intoxicated in a kind of surreal way when it's so hot. And so there's something kind of so in body in that, in that last scene that feels like such the release and she's been dished so much shit. You just need her to, you need her to hit that car. You know what I mean? You want to sm- her to smash that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think like everybody in the audience is, is sitting there being like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we felt it, you know, it's like, I was like, oh, that's, you know, this is what that is. Thank God. Right. So by the time we, you know, we were just nervous. We were going to get it. It was like, finally we got it. And I was like, fucking smash that glass. You know what I'm saying? Um, I read the original Rolling Stone article that this is based off of, and I was sort of shocked. And I wonder if you are too how much, because I'm like, okay, you know, probably a lot of the stuff is made up. And then I read the article, I was like, oh, well, 
it seems like pretty much all it's very like based uh -huh. in reality like the whole thing right. other than other other than probably some small things here and there it seems very much rooted in what what actually happened and maybe in this i love this sort of the idea that like rooted in this idea of karma because of just like <laughs> yeah. one really fucking stupid thing that you know tommy lee does that like i mean you know pay the fucking guy <laughs> yeah i think um it is interesting isn't it it's like it nothing justifies obviously either no. their their actions you just don't you don't cheap someone you know skimp someone of their money and then you also don't steal property you just right, no, of course, of and course. then distribute it to the entire world i just feel like what's so i think you touched on it earlier which is that you know obviously it's very resonant still today and so what i also think that the series does is kind of broadcast this idea that you know gosh look how far we've come and look how far we haven't you know and isn't it interesting that this was the seed that bore the rotten fruit of of you know, a string of other misshapen and um, really, really terrible crimes against women in, in using their public image against their consent. You know? Yeah, I mean, violation, right? Like it's on violation, it, it, <laughs> humiliating it's, too. It's 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 um it's vulnerable because it's there's a such a, a a profound lack of control. You know, and when you're when you're somebody who because I can also relate to this, which is like when you're you have historically in your career been in uh, bathing suits or scantily clad or naked, you know, on cover magazine or in the show or whatever, you know, it's like that doesn't negate your right to privacy. Right. Like well, some, some of the legal things in the episode are just insane. Right. Like the whole yeah. like. Uh, well, you forfeit your rights or whatever because you've been on a bunch of magazine covers. So, you know, whatever those, yeah. just yeah, like that's fucking bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> it just is. Like the, the, it's like everyone in there, everyone who's got a phone has taken a photo that you know that is private, and that I would assume they are not prepared to distribute to the entire universe. Yeah, and so the people people who decide, even if you are in the adult film industry and you do that on the regular still the images that are private to you are still your images there's no well it's like my ex-husband um is a tattoo artist famous tattoo artist amazing super talented and you know he's got tattoos from here you know top to toe and so people say to him you know if they don't have any tattoos they're like oh is it gonna hurt and he's like, well, yeah, I mean, it fucking hurts, you know? And they're like, yeah, well, it's easy for you because you have so many tattoos, you know? And he's like, no, it still fucking hurts. Just because I have a lot of tattoos doesn't mean that I get a free pass that it doesn't hurt me anymore. It's still a painful needles going into your body. So there is this logic that like, well, because you're on the cover of a magazine naked, then ugh, that people have already seen it before, like what Tommy says in the script, right? right. Like that, that kind of logic, I think is kind of considered fair game whilst it's just, I'm saying I call bullshit. <laughs> and like the whole idea. And, you know, actually this brings me to, and I think it's in your seventh episode when Erica, I love that moment when she like freaks out. Right. And, and, and she just is like, Oh my God. And he, and, which is another sort of theme in the, like men sort of having no clue. Like, you know, Tommy sort of has no clue. And then in the sense, like Rand is like, what, what is the big deal? And it's yeah. like, 
Do you not understand? And then she throws him out and she has a like a completely understandable reaction yeah. because she understands the ethics of what she does for a living. Totally. I mean, does not. sex workers and, and, and adult film stars, there is a clear understanding and right. sense of decorum and you know like the more especially even working on this this show it's like I worked with a lot of adult film actors and it's it's not like you would not treat them with the same respect that you would your act you know your actors who don't don't participate in adult film so it's it's a similar concept there you know um like there was um you know we have a lot of intimacy coordinators and thank god because it's it, it there's a lot of nudity and you know, it's like, I'm not interested in, in anyone feeling uncomfortable. It's I, especially on my, I just, you know, we were very, very careful and generous and kind and, you know, really thinking every single moment through, right? Because right. we were just happy to be there and we didn't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. And and it's a time where, thank God, we're all paying attention. Like, what a, what a privilege. I didn't have that growing up in this industry. And, you know, the simplicity of like, when there's a lot of nudity or a lot of actors that are naked, you know, it's like you, we call cut. So it's like, I call cut and then I need, nobody's allowed to come into the set until their robes come on. Right. So all their wardrobe robes come and they, and even though there's like, Oh, we gotta, you know, change his lights and, you know, but no, there's just a real stopping point where all the robes come on. And, you know, some of the adult film actors, um, you know, are just, they don't even like, you know, it's just, it's a new, that's a new flavor for them. Right. And yet it doesn't matter. We're going to go by our code and there's just, you know, I saw there was a a real respect and, you know, they were like, yeah, of course I want a fucking robe. I don't want to be naked in front of these people. Like, you know, it's like, there was this assumption that they don't want to robe as quickly or something. I'm like, get these people robes. First of all, even though it is 110 degrees, they probably are doing better than us. But the point is, everyone's entitled to privacy. Everyone's entitled and has the right to show what they want of their body when they want. <laughs> well, not the, not the other thing is also like, it's not like those people when they're, anyone participating in pornography, that's still their job, right? It's like, and, and so there's <laughs> like, it's like, so everything that applies to a job should apply to them as well, right? They're a human being. Yeah, I just feel like there is, like, I remember in the script when it's, when Tommy says, you know, well, it's not like it's nothing they haven't seen before, you know, like that for me, I mean, I was like, I just was real fired up about <laughs> So I was like, I want to crash in. Like the, can- the camera just like pivots at her and like, comes like up bang, bang. <laughs> what did you fucking say? Like, yeah. Yeah, no, which is really great. I, I love the, all the stylistic things in the show. Um, can you talk a little bit just about episode seven? And, um, you know, I think probably this won't air till episode seven anyhow, but like oh. you know, the destroyer of worlds, which, uh, you know, we see, uh, it's, it's all blurring in for me a little bit, but one of the things that yeah. sticks with me a lot is the title, which, which which goes to Rand's journey, which is this real... You know his his sort of descent into the, the he's come it, like the karma's coming back right it's like yeah. it, it's it's boomeranged on him it's the one just to jog your memory it's the it's yeah. Leno right yes, yes. well it's, I actually I rewatched them both last night but somehow they're still uh, like in my well yeah there's Leno right. and then there's like um, Money Fire um, and there's there's also going to see which is heartbreaking I love all the the sort of heartbreaking moments when they go see Hard Wire and you know the reactions. Uh, 
not great and she's they, and they don't even say anything but there's an understanding between i know it's the, the pain the pain yeah. so and yeah. her having some like emotional kind of like are people laughing at me like right. and she's know, already been know. through the situation she's been with the lawyers she's been she's been, she's been through the fucking ringer it's just um i really god i love shooting this show <laughs> it was such a ride you know um yeah, sure. and i and i love you know, I love my actors and, and, and Paolo, I got to give a lot of props to Paolo Widobro, who's the DP and we've become, you know, forever girl pals. Um, but she's this tremendously, she's so talented and so, uh, so she's sort of quiet and soft-spoken, but then just like a beast of a creative, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, Which yeah. I'm kind of like loud and bouncy and like bouncing around the walls and, you know, and, I gesticulate a lot and she's sort of this lithe, sort of elegant looking Mexican woman, um, you know, with just like, you know, the eye of the fucking tiger, you know, like she just can, she knows how to, she knows how to light. I mean, this whole show is painterly and that's because of her. (laughs) So, so, I mean, you will see us working again together. So that's all I can say, but but we, we had so much fun. I mean, even just, um, you know, thinking about where Rand sort of, you know, kind of puts his ransom note out there and, you know, and Tommy comes to, to give him his money. And then, you know, of course it ends in this kind of extraordinary fiery uh, end to the scene. And that, I mean, that was that whole scene, him walking up even, I'm just like, boom. Like, I just want to see that. I mean, that walk up. <laughs> it's just so good strut the strut up to it oh yeah i was like can we we don't have to shoot again because we have it but i just want to but it's nighttime and so we got to go home (laughs) um but just like burning money by dodger stadium i'm just like what is (laughs) like this is this is fun um i gotta ask you about what because i i love your your features and and this is is so you know look uh, i've got my crazy deadly prey gallery oh yes right yes um and in particular in a world i i adore thank you Uh, so yeah like are you like i mean you've been doing a lot of tv oh yeah no i'm fucking making not because i don't want i mean look i like i i only do tv that either my friends are on or that i just love you know like i I only did like casual i had to do because michaela's like my best friend (laughs) and i was pregnant and did it and then children's hospital like basically my family um and did i do other tv oh yeah i did bless his mess (laughs) like forgot oh yeah i wrote i wrote a show for abc it was all a blur um but yeah that was really that was that was super fun and again liz merriweather just Good friend of mine, Lennon. I just put all my friends in it and then facts, you know, that was, it just feels like TV's like where I party with my friends. <laughs> and then, and then I have like two features. I have three features I'm setting up, but I have two like after projects. And then I'm like on, I'm like out there kind of pitching them. So like as we speak, so um, that I'm hoping. <laughs> Someone lets me make my movies. <laughs> is it, is it, because uh, we we're seeing, you know, television is, is changing so much, right? In this great way. It's, and it's great. You know, yeah. It's, like, but it's also challenging film in a strange way where I, I, I feel like, you know, the adult drama and like what you kind of do is kind of migrate into television. So 
Like, can you, like, how do you navigate all that? In the same way that people are like, do you like acting more than directing or directing more than acting or writing or whatever? And I'm like, no, I like it all. And (laughs) I just like, you know, it's like, I have the privilege to do all of those things. And I see it as a privilege. I don't take it for granted, you know, in the same way that like TV, I I do the kind of TV that I would ingest. Right. Right. So that's not everything. But it's, you know, I'm picky. And and then with films, too, you know, there's a lot of, I think, people think, oh, we're going to bring her, like, romantic comedies or, like, girl stuff, you know? And I'm like, all right. But, like, you know, I'm excited. I've got one project that's, like, an FBI agent, you know, that's, like, a fucking FBI story about the mob. And then I've got another one that's, like, racing, you know? So it's, like, I, I don't much more interested in um, things that I wouldn't write if someone were to bring it to me. But in the meantime, I'm going to write some pretty badass shit. Um, you do a lot of different stuff. You're like the multi-hyphenate of the multi-hyphenate. You, you <laughs> everything that we discussed. And you also do voice work. Yes. I was, watching, uh, I was watching What If with my children. And then I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Is, uh, that's not. And then I looked in the credits. And I was like, like that's oh, not ScarJo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not ScarJo. And I looked in the credits. And I was like, oh, wow cool so like tell me about that and now with the, that world is so crazy that like are we gonna see you in the mcu now like are you gonna like are you gonna be the new are you gonna be the new black widow like come on no comment but all i'll say is <laughs> um i will say this which is you know voiceover wise the the what if was super fun because obviously i i went from dc to marvel basically because i do because you do uh voice and ID. Pretty regularly got a steady gig over there um, in the DC universe um, and I like Poison Ivy because she's an environmentalist and like she's villainous but like she cares about the environment you know and so I can get with that shit and it's also super dirty mouthed and naturally like as I fall off the truck like I have a potty mouth <laughs> so so my mom is so sweet and soft-spoken and well-spoken and I she's just doesn't know where I get it from but the point is I get to express that in Poison Ivy as well as like a bunch of other secret characters that I do on that show. Um, and for my birthday this year, I asked them to do a mashup for me if they could like put all of my characters on a reel so I could be like, here's my secretness, you know, like I'm unveiling my other beings. Um, and then what if, what if is like when they call me, they do it. Cause they don't, you know, Black Widow's not always in it. And you know, what ifs are kind of like these, these standalone concepts right like I think they're kind of anthology right like it's like what if this happened or what if this happened you know and so you know I just do it when they call me to come in for Black Widow <laughs> right but they're also bridging them to the movies now which is interesting listen tell them uh, you know no, I don't know I you know it's so it's it's wild that I I really do like the I love the fantastical universe of what could be in, a, in an alternate reality. You know, it's like, I'm into it. Um, and I came into it mo- mostly because like my children are illuminating that for me as something, right. you know, special and, and fantastical, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that is fun. Especially because our world is scary. <laughs> and it's, it, you know, it's, it's nice that escapism becomes even more profound and more needed, you know? All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I took up a lot of it. Uh, but thank you so much. I thank really you. love the show. It's really Thanks. terrific. I love what you've done with it. And um, I'm, I'm going to keep my ears out for those next projects. I know. Okay. We'll, we'll talk, talk soon. Okay. okay. <laughs>